Good evening or good morning, depending on where in the world you guys are located. Um, this is Jillian Pua, the Marketing and PR Head of BeaterDAO, and I'm super excited to welcome you all to our first community AMA. As a way to thank you guys for all the support you've given us so early on in this project, we thought about hosting our first session in our Discord to really kick things off and give a warm welcome to everyone uh, who's been with us since the beginning, and also the people who have come in the Discord over the last two months since we launched. Thank you super. Thank you so much for attending, guys. We really appreciate everyone for taking the time to hop on here and join us in our first AMA session. If you haven't seen the Medium article we posted a few days ago, um, this session is actually the first of many in the Breeder Dow On Air AMA series. So please do expect more AMAs from us, more guests, and more discussions about all things Breeder Dow and Play to Earn. So before we jump into the actual session, just a few announcements and reminders for everyone. Number one. So some members of our community have actually volunteered their time to summarize or translate this AMA as it's happening. So they will be posting those in their respective language channels. Uh, we also encourage everybody, including our non-English speaking community members, to send in their questions in the language that they're most comfortable in, um, in your respective language channels. And our volunteers will do their best to translate. I believe they're summarizing what I'm saying now as I speak. Uh, secondly, we will also be having a giveaway and rewarding our members who send in the best questions in our AMA One Questions channel. Feel free to keep on sending in your questions throughout the AMA. Our moderators are keeping an eye on that channel and we will try our best to address as many as we can tonight. However, our founders will also be attempting to answer as much as they can via chat even after the AMA. So please don't fret if ever your questions aren't addressed in the actual session. We will also try our best to entertain anybody who wants to come up on stage and ask their questions directly. And we will give you guys the go signal again if time permits. Please feel free to tweet about us as well and share us in your socials. Uh, share us to, about in your socials. Um, please tag us at BeaterDAO using hashtag BeaterDAO on air. All right. So I know everyone is psyched to hear our founders speak. Without further ado, I'd like to first introduce to you our moderator for tonight. Um, I'm very excited to welcome Ms. Leah Callan Butler. So Leah is actually the director of Enfarsis, an advisory and investing firm focused on Web3 innovation for social impact. She is a columnist for the world-leading crypto news publication Coindesk and wrote and narrated the viral mini-documentary Play to Earn NFT Gaming in the Philippines. Having been in crypto since 2017, Leah has collaborated with the Alliance for Financial Incl Inclusion, Women's World Banking, Women in Blockchain, Games for Change APAC, and others. Leah was also an advisor to the inaugural V20 Summit and led communications for the InterVASP Joint Working Group. She also serves as one of the esteemed advisors of BeaterDAO. So Leah, the floor is yours. Thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, Leah, there you go. <laughs> Okay. Yes, I can hear you great. Thank you for that fantastic introduction, Jillian. Much appreciated. Um, so hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having me. Um, as Jillian mentioned, Emphasis is an advisory and investing firm. We're focused on Web3 innovation for social impact. And we've backed game changes like Yield Guild Games, YGG, GGC, IndieGG, Gamey, XY Finance, and of course, BreederDAO. And, you know, we've seen the very beginnings of the play to earn movement right here in the Philippines where I'm based. So 
you know, now we're kind of focused on what's next. Uh, you know, back then we were seeing it emerge, but I think we've reached the point now where we really want to see where this ecosystem is going next. So this is why I got so excited when I met the team from Breeder Doubt. You know, this team is solving a huge problem in the development of the ecosystem, and we're quite sure that there is absolutely no better group to do it. So we're really excited to just get into the discussion tonight. Thank you, everyone, for being here tonight at Breeder Doubt's first ever Discord AMA. And just a little bit of housekeeping first. So we're going to do a quick interview. Uh, I'm just going to be talking to the guys uh, to kind of get a little bit of a background on them. Um, we've actually gathered a lot of questions from the AMA uh, channel in Discord to kind of get the most common ones. And we're going to go through those quickly together. But then we're going to move into an AMA. It's going to be both pre-sent questions. Oh, my God, we've got an incredible backlog of amazing pre-selected questions. But we're also going to be selecting uh, live questions as well. So if you do want to ask a question, please put it in the AMA One Questions channel on Discord. And if you'd like to, you could also volunteer to come up on stage and ask a question vocally. So feel free to put up your hand. We'd love to invite you to the stage. Um, I just want to say before we dive into it, you know, this is a really special time, as Gillian mentioned, for a few reasons. Firstly, because it's a chance for the community to engage directly with the founders of Breeder Dow. Um, and I know that this discussion is going to be awesome because A, you've already sent through a seriously epic backlog of questions, but B, you are all Breeder Dow OGs. So Without further ado, I want to introduce you to the co-founders and just give you a little bit of a bio. We are going to go into this in a little bit more depth later, but just to give you some context. On the call tonight, we've got Renz Chong. He is CEO of BreederDAO. Renz is a former consultant and he brings over five years of experience in the fields of growth strategy, data science and machine learning, blockchain, DeFi and NFT portfolio management. We've also got Jeff, Jeff Ang. He's our COO, Chief Operations Officer. Jeff has significant experience as an entrepreneur. He's actually founded six companies. They're all in positive cash flow. And he's got over eight years of experience working with crypto, finance, and markets. And he's also an experienced trader, NFT collector, and a play-to-earn guild leader. We've also got Nico Odulio, our CTO, Chief Technology Officer. Nico is the in-house smart contract expert, and he's well-versed in decentralized applications or dApps and smart contracts across several chains, such as Binance Smart Chain, EOS, and Ethereum. So, guys, thank you so much for being here tonight. Make yeah, thank you, Leia. Uh, awesome introduction. Thank you so much. Thanks, yeah, it feels weird to actually be here because for the longest time we've been talking to investors guilds, games, but it's only the first time that we've been talking, uh, that we're going to talk to like, our, our community. And so we're very excited to share what we have and what we've been building for the past few months. Absolutely. I, I think this is this is really cool, actually, because there's actually been quite a lot of buzz of Breeder Dow out there, but um, there hasn't been that opportunity to just kind of connect with everyone in the Discord to be able to answer all those burning questions. So as I said, I'm pretty excited because I feel like everyone here is pretty educated about what you guys do. So we're going to have some really good questions. But I guess, you know, just to just to kick us off, um, Renz, you know, maybe you can just give us a quick rundown of Breeder Dow. What's it all about? And, you know, maybe sometimes it's actually harder to say what a project is not. So tell us what Breeder Dow is and maybe what it's not as well. 
Sure. Thank you for that. And I guess like it's a proper question to like start this whole like session because a lot of people thought that Breeder is actually a game. It's a guild. It's an NFT project, but nobody really knows what it is, right? So I'd like to start by saying that, you know, BreederDAO is not a guild. Uh, we actually don't loan out assets to scholars uh, to get like revenue sharing. We're also not a game because we're not designing our own gameplay and then coming up with our own game design and tokenomic design. We're not like an NFT project and we're not producing our own NFTs. We're just leveraging off like existing mecha mecha mechanisms like within the game and producing assets for these games. So from that, like BreederDAO is actually what we call like the factory of the metaverse. And what we essentially do is we manufacture all of these assets, uh, quality assets at that, at scale, and then supply them to the guilds afterwards. So you can think of us as like an FMCG company or a typical factory or whatever manufacturing company that you can think of. But instead of producing like consumer goods, like maybe shampoos, soaps, what we're producing would be digital assets uh, specific to like all of these play to earn games that we see uh, currently. I actually find it super funny that you have to differentiate yourself from other models like a guild or an NFT game. I mean, if we go back 18 months, no one was talking about those models at all. So, you know, the fact that that has sort of become the benchmark of this industry now and people are saying, you know, are you an NFT game? Are you a guild? Like what? You know, I, I find that very interesting and even more interesting because you guys are kind of on the frontier of what's going to come next. So we're at that difficult stage where people are sort of getting around, you know, getting their head around uh, what you guys actually do and how you supply those games and guilds. So I guess, you know, what actually led to the idea of Breeder Doubt? You know, how did you come across the idea and what made you compelled to actually bring it to life? You know, funny story is we actually started to just basically look for like profits. Uh, quarter two of last year, uh, the entire macro, uh, the entire like block, the entire like crypto market has been down 50%. And so we were like, now what do we do, right? Uh, we entered crypto knowing that we would multiply our returns or gains, but all of a sudden we just lost half the value of our portfolio. But one thing really stand, uh, stood out and that was actually infinity. So we were like, what is this like new technology or what is this like project even? And so we went deep into it, uh, started looking at the marketplace, talking like everything we know about like games and the space. And it's interesting because like everyone left and right, you can hear people talking about Axie Infinity. They want to become guilds. They want to be part of like, you know, this YGG. Uh, and it's a space that we were not super familiar with. And so, you know, we were observing the marketplace and what we saw was the prices increase from $200 to $800. And so we thought that maybe there's actually an opportunity on the other side of things that people are all looking at it from just a single angle. And that's the demand side of things. So we pitched it to an investor. That investor really uh, was blown away by the idea of just producing assets for the game. The turnaround time is shorter and you wouldn't have to kind of like hold on to these assets. So he seeded us uh, with uh, 180,000 and in less than three months, we were able to generate you know, significant profit, significant revenue. And even we were blown away, right? Uh, 
we were doing that at a time when Bitcoin prices went fell by almost 50%. So yeah, I mean, we thought initially that this is actually not sustainable. Um, we grew 800% at that point. And it was like, is this really something that we want to go for like full time? Or is it something that, you know, you ride the wave, you, you're able to ride the wave and you know, that's it. You take profit and then leave it. And, you know, the real light bulb moment came when we talked to like Gabby of YGG. And he was like, you know, there's actually no problem when it comes to like the demand, because anyone would appreciate extra income, especially for countries like the Philippines. And there's no problem with funding because you can see how much money VCs have been pouring in like to all of these guilds. And so the real bottleneck is actually on the supply side. And it's not just, you know, any kind of supply. Because with Axie Infinity, there are certain combination of trades that allows you to dominate, say, the arena, right? So, yeah, I mean, that was the light bulb moment for us. And that's when we thought that this is actually not just a one-time thing, but there's an actual need to restore, like, the balance within that economy. That for any proper economy to exist and subsist, there needs to be that balance between the demand and supply. And right now, it's geared toward the demand side, and we act as, like, uh, the solution for that supply side. Yeah, like you kind of touched on this, but it's something I hear a lot, you know, people asking, well, why wouldn't guilds just do this in-house? Like, why is Breeder Down needed? Jeff, I know you're a bit of an expert on games, guilds, breeding ops. Like, explain to me in terms of breeding, how does Breeder Down set itself apart? Like, what does it do that's different to anyone else who might be breeding? Sure, I think I'll tackle that question twofold. I'll, I'll address the first part about the guilds. Why won't guilds just breed on their own well if you coming from my experience as as a guild leader um if you try to scale on your own organically with the assets that you already have you're capped by time right uh, breeding is a time sensitive or time capped affair you can only grow so much given the amount of assets that you start with and between scholar onboarding, scholar management, teaching guys how to play, payouts and managing, these guilds have their hands full. And breeding is a whole different ballgame. It's a different beast altogether. There are different disciplines needed in order to breed properly. And we believe that it takes a lot of attention and a lot of skill to actually master creating the asset that you want for the, mo for the minimal cost, right? For a very cost-effective way of doing it, right? So, so just to interject there, like I imagine too, I mean, guilds primarily onboarding people to the metaverse and managing scholars. I imagine they primarily want their assets in play, right? Like they want their scholars using their assets to earn rewards, not reserved for breeding. I, is that also kind of a thing in terms of the, you know, productive quality of assets? Yes, it could be. It depends on the game. Um, some games allow you to actually use the asset uh, while you're breeding it or as you're breeding it, or the breeding would be like a five, five second affair and then you can use the assets already. While some games, uh, while they're in a breeding cycle, you're not allowed to use it. So that's another thing that's... Uh, a deterrent for, for guilds if they're not able to lend out their assets, which, assets, which is their core business, then um, they're not generating yield off of it. Okay, okay. and well, but just to continue my point. 
kind of have Sorry. to be across. You have to be across so many games to be able to kind of keep on top of this as well. And there's new games coming in all the time. So I'm, you know, starting to see the complexity of data and, you know, information management that's kind of involved here. Yes, correct. There's there's a new play to earn game that comes out every single day. And um, the team, the business development team headed by Mabi here in Breedardow has their hands full. They look at dozens of games every day. So I'm sorry, I interrupted you, but what is actually, you know, how does Breedardow set itself apart? So you were explaining the difficulty uh, for guilds in terms of doing this, but how does Breedardow set itself apart in actually doing this activity? So well, maybe I write a bit there, actually, Jeff, um, with, with, with the tech and everything. So um, Ren's already alluded, actually, with how we saw Axie grow into the mainstream, right? Um, not just globally, but also with the scholarship movement that I feel was heavily influenced by the Philippines. I think that you were, you were mentioning this earlier. And it was really awesome to see, like, tools popping up left and right, uh, Max Brand, if you guys know him, he was like this OG community dev over at Axie. And he started with some publicized data and charts that allowed us to really dive into the economics of Axie when it was, well, when it was new and, and ripe. And then Chill Axie came out, now known as Axie.tech, I think, Jeff? Not sure. Yeah. Um, and then we ourselves would write our own scripts to help in searching for these builds quickly. And it was really great to be a part of that like initial movement to push the envelope with interacting with these new protocols, these new age APIs through the blockchain. And well, long story short, we embrace that same philosophy here at Breeder. We're constantly breaking stuff, um, I like to say, on these new play and earn games that are popping up on different chains now. So I would like to say that it's not just in breeding that we're competitive in and constantly coordinating our operations team and our tech team, doing sprints faster than what like a typical monolithic tech giant or company would, which I guess is part of the beauty in a startup. So I would argue that it's, it's that marriage between people who have discovered a passion for, for blockchain games because they, were, they grew up min-maxing on World of Warcraft, but also excelled in their fields. So Mabby was mentioned by, by Jeff. We love Mabby over here. He's our head of, of BizDev. He was a spectacular, immortal-ranked Dota 2 player. But he was also a key cog in the strategy department for, for Grab. So Grab, as you may know, is this like Asian competitor for Uber. And he's one of the 40 awesome people we've got working day and night, being a part of this movement to master these games, explore how they're like unique mechanisms work and interconnect and then working with the tech teams of course that we've got to, to empower themselves with tools to allow breeder data to scale rapidly and i can say that it's exciting for the devs as well because it's new to them they they have a reason to get up in the morning again to, to learn something new that isn't stale that isn't just best practices on react or mongodb but something that could very easily change the world in a few years given the potential of play to earn to shake up like ownership of, of game economies. Absolutely. I bet there is not a dull day yeah, in Breeder Dow. Sure. Yeah. yeah. It's it's always hectic over here at, at Breeder Dow HQ. Um, we've got this like remote setup. I'm not sure if you were toured already on Gather. It's awesome. It's very metaverse like and uh, yeah, not a dull day for sure over here. I haven't 
been. I'm going to have to book that in. <laughs> actually, you know, when we start talking about background, I'd actually love to know just a little bit more about your personal backgrounds and how you ended up founding. Yeah, I can go first since I'm already blabbing over here. So hello, hello to the Greater community. It's a, it's a pleasure to talk to you guys today. My name is Nico. I'm the tech lead and also one of the founders for BreederDAO. I've been in blockchain since 2017. I built my first dApps on the EOS chain. So back then, blockchain gaming was, was more focused on this like concept of provable randomness with like the gaming and entertainment industry. So provably fair blackjack, uh, baccarat, um, games you'd see in a casino. And I kept on this trajectory with taking on contract work, um, helping out with meme coins, whatever was hot, really. And I always enjoyed staying on the forefront of things. So something that's been interesting to, to me lately is ERC-721A. It's an implementation of ERC-721 or NFTs that allows for some gas savings through some ingenuity with, with batch sizings. So as for Breeder, um, I started actually when... I think it was Renz who approached me. Um, it was a random day, actually. I helped him out with, with a script for, for Axie Infinity. I think he had a farm back then, Renz, I'm not sure. Um, and he said he was interested in, in working together and turning this like into a game changer for the industry. And here we are today on the first steps of the road to, to doing just that, hopefully. Let's go next. Yeah, that's it, though. Maybe Jeff can go next or Renz. Okay, I, I can go next. So, hi, my name is Jeff. My background really is in business and finance. I've founded companies in real estate, uh, logistics, construction, e-commerce, and now crypto. So my relationship with crypto started in 2013. I first heard about it in an internet message board. I, will, I won't name the message board, but it's very infamous. I was, yeah, I think Leia knows who it is. I, I was part of the uh, hack in Mount Gox, so I lost cash there, but it was a nice little experience. Um, I've been monitoring the space ever since, and it was only back in 2020 when I started to take another hard look at the space, and this time around, as compared to 2013 and 2017, where scams were all were running about on um, this time around, things were really beginning to get built that were very, very interesting. DeFi comes to the top of mind, right? Something very interesting that cannot be replicated in the traditional financial world. So um, I, I did a bit of investing here and there. Um, and then I've heard about Axie Infinity, which really piqued my interest because I've always been a gamer ever since I was a child. And this was something entirely new, blockchain and gaming. You could earn your, you can own your own assets, right? So I was, I gave it a go. Um, me and my friends, we decided to start up a guild, which up until now is still up and running. We are 550 scholars strong. Um, we're mainly focused on Axie Infinity, but are already exploring other games as well. And throughout this time, uh, me and Renz kept in touch. So I know Renz from back in college. Um, his brother is a very close friend and business partner of mine. And we kept in touch through Telegram, uh, alpha groups, where, you know, people share info with each other, uh, the crypto way, right? And 
Uh, he knew that I was in Axie Infinity. Uh, he knew that I had a guild, so he approached me with this idea of doing breeding and solely breeding, right? And I didn't even think twice of saying yes, because as, as someone who, who's been on the other side, who manages the guild, I know all about the pain points of scaling and the supply side problems. So it was a no-brainer for me to say yes. So shout out to Renz. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Nico. Uh, it's really a pleasure for me to be speaking here with you guys. Uh, for the longest time, it's only just me uh, talking to all of these like investors, uh, yeah, well, joining all of these podcasts. Renz, so you, you can excuse us for, for doing the legwork. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you for that, guys. Thank you so much. So, yeah, I mean, going back to my background, uh, Leia touched on it earlier. Uh, it's primarily like consulting. So I did a lot of projects centered around like data analytics, machine learning, uh, growth strategy, and business development. And I was doing that for multiple countries across different industries. So there's a saying, usually at least for people who graduate from my course and from my university, that we're kind of like a jack of all trades, but master of none. And it's true because we touch on like a lot of things, but we don't really like do anything like really specific. And so, I mean, after some time, you know, I got kind of like tired with this entire setup. So I decided to move into a more uh, execution-based environment. So I moved to like startups and, you know, one that's most prominent one for a lot of individuals here would be Ancas. And before, uh, Ancas is like a Grab or Uber, but instead of like four-wheeled vehicles, we do like two-wheeled motorcycle vehicles to ferry passengers around. And at one point, it became like the primary mode of transportation here in the Philippines, just because of like how convenient it was. So you can see like even executives would use Ancas as their primary mode of transportation. But yeah, I mean... From then, I moved to like a bunch of startups, and that's when I encountered like this mentor who brought me back into like the world of crypto, DeFi, and NFTs. So back in 2017, I was already an crypto just because of like the gains, uh, earning like 10x or 20x. But uh, after some time, you know, uh, as with everyone else here, uh, during that time, I lost like 99% of my portfolio. Uh, I decided to kind of like quit uh, the space and just leave it there because hopefully, you know, after like five years, I'm a millionaire. And, you know, right now, fast forward to today, uh, DeFi NFT actually, as a gamer myself, I'm very into, I'm very much passionate about being able to own your assets. It's actually one of my biggest frustrations from before. I would enter like a game unknowingly and then spend like a huge sum of money after some time realize that, you know, this game is not for me. I'm not going to stay long and I'm just wasting my time, uh, but there's no salvage value. Right. So it's essentially like some costs. And when I heard about Axie Infinity, about the idea of blockchain, being able to own your asset, I was like, I want to be part of this one. And lo and behold, you know, Breeder Dao, uh, being able to manufacture all of these assets helping this entire space like move forward and really grow. You know, that's the goal for me. And that's the objective for Breeder now, for all of us here. Sharing the vision, Renz. I think that's super helpful. And I've got a few uh, just quick fire rapid questions for you before let's just go straight into AMA. But before I do, 
Cody told me that one of you used to be a Philippine Airlines pilot. <laughs> That's Nico. <laughs> I think it's Jeff, actually. Yeah. Uh, you caught me off guard there. We did not talk about this, Leia. But yeah, yeah, that, that is me. Um, I, I used to fly an Airbus 330 and 350, if you're, if you're aware or familiar with the terms. And um, a funny story, actually, I did launch um, a DAP on EOS um, during like this flight to the Middle East. So I was, I was located in a hotel and all my crew members were out and enjoying um, and I was busy hacking away in the hotel room by myself. So. Yeah, that's kind of been my life, really. Um, I've, I've embraced um, technology ever since I was young, and um, blockchain was a natural fit for me. See how I moved that back into to relevancy. <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah, that, that is me um, in a past life. Thank you so much for, for bringing it up. That's what I'm here for, Embarrassment Central. <laughs> you know, Leia, aside from Nico, there's actually one more guy pilot or he used to be like a pilot in breeder now so we were joking around that you know pilot a one you might be the perfect person to enter like breeder now so shout out Bodhi. hi Bodhi. <laughs> that's awesome you're gonna have to have a like private plane for the uh for the crew or something um <laughs> i actually i love that like you know it, it's just reflective of who you guys are you know you really live and breathe what you do and you're obviously super intelligent but very very passionate people committed to uh, you know, these problems that you're trying to solve it, as I said, you know, right at the beginning of this chat, you're a pretty unique team. So I love those little stories. Um, but I do have uh, a big challenge for you. Let's see if you can actually do this. I've got three rapid fire questions. I want to get through them super quick. You're only allowed to give me two sentences, maybe three max, and I'm going to direct them to you. And then we're going to do AMA quite quickly. So uh, this one's for you, Nico. Ooh. Okay, Renz is ready. Let's go. Nico, you're first. So how are we in oh, terms yeah. of I, I heard Ren. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, yeah, no. go ahead. <laughs> Map and developments. Where are we in terms of roadmap developments? Give me like a two-sentence rapid-fire answer. Oh, uh, that is challenging. I, I would love to, to dive in, but um, okay, sure. Um, very, very quickly, we are approaching all of these new games on a daily basis, building out um, tools um, similarly in rapid fire fashion. So Jeff is always in my ear saying that, um, Nico, can you guys whip up this so-and-so very quickly? And I'm, I'm not going to divulge that information just yet um, because that would um, break apart our early advantage in a lot of these um, ABI access that we get, a API access as well. Um, so that's where we're at, and we're looking at releasing staking shortly as well after the IDO, which should be coming up in a couple months or maybe in a month. We'll see. Um, and with, with staking, naturally, that entails utilities, not just with the permissioned access, but also the rewards and then eventually the automated factory tool set. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I could just go on for these, but um, I think that was like two sentences, right? <laughs> Lose the challenge, but I will give it to you. That was pretty much impossible to answer in two seconds. <laughs> it was. I'm going to get you back for this after, Leia. This <laughs> for you, uh, Jeff. Jeff, you're up on stage. In terms of partnerships, 
How do you assess which ones are the best to pursue and what qualifications are you looking for? Well, for games, we have our own internal scoring system and we're very strict about it. Uh, We have our own criteria to pick which games we should invest in. For guilds, we are open arms, right? We have a forum here on Discord. You can reach out to us, whether you're big or small. We are open ears. We want to hear your story. We want to know more about you and your needs. Our uh, head of growth, Jovan, who's fantastic at his job, you can reach out to him. He's in charge with bringing guilds into the DAO ecosystem. That's better, but still, it's kind of hard to answer that in two two sentences. I'll give you that. Uh, Renz, one for you. So how do you actually see Breeder DAO fitting into the play-to-earn space? You know, what's Breeder DAO's role in the, the whole play-to-earn space? Sure. You know, for the longest time, the entire play-to-earn narrative, it's just centered around like games and guilds. And we're actually adding something into the equation because now we're just looking, we're, we're looking at it from the other side. So it's not just about games or guilds right now because that's only like the economy and like the demand side. But now we're adding the supply side, which makes it, which creates that balance ultimately to this entire like economy. And, you know, we'd like to think that we're creating or, or like we're, we're impacting this economy by allowing ourselves to kind of be or, or like scale back or create that more balanced economy to tip the scales back to the center. Yeah. And like just a really quick follow up question to that. What are the advantages of guilds becoming our partners. Jeff, you want to take that? Oh, yeah. So I guess um, it would be the advantages would be different if you were a large guild or a small guild. Now, for larger guilds, I already uh, spoke about this briefly a while back. Um, large guilds um, have a lot of cash on the sideline. They want it deployed ASAP, right? They, they have pressure from investors. They've got a ton of signups. The only problem is getting the assets at scale. They want to buy the assets in bulk. They have the they have the firepower for it. They have the wait list for it. They're onboarding 100, 200 scholars a week. Um, if you're onboarding that much, you can't just breed it on your own. Or even if you if you even if you would, you'd have a lot of um, undesirable assets, right? Given that it is still, after all, a game of math. Right, so uh, the advantage of partnering with us if you're a large guild is we can help you scale. We can sell assets to you at scale, and these assets aren't just any ordinary assets. These are game-ready, uh, meta-tweaked assets. Now, if you're a smaller guild, which interestingly enough comprises of 95% of scholarships in Axie Infinity, um, these are guilds, we like to call them micro-guilds, if you have less than 50 or 20 scholars, you're considered a micro guilds. These micro guilds comprise of more than 95%, again, of the Axie Infinity ecosystem, right? And these, sorry. I said, wow. <laughs> I know, right? Indeed, There's... right? <laughs> well, you, indeed. Hear you, you hear about, you know, the big guilds in the news, but see statistics like this, it just makes you shocked, right? Yeah. And... Um, the, the problem with uh, being a small guild is that you don't get early access to digital assets or NFTs from these game developers who are at the beginning stage of their development, right? So 
Um, given our scale and our size, we're able to get in the room and get in a conversation with these game developers. And if we like the game, we get the chance to actually buy assets at a good price early, right? And these smaller guilds, they can't get in the room with these guys. So what we do is we're able to share this deal flow with smaller guilds, give them a chance, give them a seat at the table, right? We give them a chance to invest in high potential games, things that they think, we think, or even they would think would uh, have a chance to be the next Axie, right? And um, we're able to do this. And at the same time, we're able to share information with both small and big guilds alike. So we're very happy to share information. Uh, we do a lot of research on the games. We crunch a lot of, a lot of data. And we're more than happy to have these conversations with guilds, uh, small and big alike. Um, yeah. Sorry, Leia, did you ask about games as well? Or was it just guilds? I was really interested in guilds, actually. Yeah, because okay. I, I think that's okay. something that comes up for a lot of people. You know, I, I've actually had people ask me, oh, but wait, guilds in competition with Breeder Dow? And, you know, that's not how I see it at all. Actually, I think it's the perfect partnership. But, you know, I think a lot of people are still trying to understand how you guys will work together. So I think you explained it really, really well. Um, that was awesome. Yeah. So I think uh, there's lots of questions to get through. Just Really quickly before we do, let's kind of map out the basics. I think everyone wants to know when white paper, when tokenomics, when IDO, when tokens. I don't know if we can talk about that right now, but does someone want to tackle that? Sure. I'm just going to address that by saying that white paper is going to come out within 24 hours, if not like within the next two days. But yeah, that's our commitment. And you can you can you guys can actually check everything there, like tokenomics, tokens, even utility. So everything's gonna be there. So watch out for that. Awesome. Well, uh, if we're done on that, we have a huge backlog of pre-selected questions that the community has already sent through, and we're taking live AMA questions. So if anyone awesome. has any burning questions, like please put them in the AMA one questions channel. Did I say that right? I hope so. Uh, and we will be watching there. So uh, feel free to interject. Also, if you want to come up on the stage and ask a question uh, vocally, you're absolutely welcome to do so. Just again, pop it as a written request in the channel. We'll see that and we'll invite you up. Um, but the first question that we've got here. So we've got a question from Crypto Miggy. And they are asking, any business wants to be able to serve all customers, uh, but who is actually Breederdale's main focus or target market in terms of selling its services to? Ooh, that is a good one. Who wants to take that? Renz, of I'll take that. And that's a very interesting question. So I'll actually tie that to our vision. Where, you know, our vision really is to become eventually the go-to asset factory. Uh, and what would that mean is that we're top of mind. Anyone who wants to enter the space, whether you're small, you're large, or you're medium-sized guild, uh, top of mind would be Breeder Dow, or even an individual, right? Uh, if you need, like, any recommendations as to what builds you want to have or you want for your, I guess, like, any game, uh, you're going to look at Breeder Dow. And for the immediate short term, right, our primary customers would be the guilds and the marketplace. 
So guilds, it's quite obvious. We're partnering with a lot of them. We want to provide like equal opportunity. Jeff mentioned that right now micro guilds really comprise like 95%, but all the funding just really goes to like the top 20, 25%. And our goal, at least personally, is to, to be able to really help like all of these smaller guilds or micro guilds to have their own fair share of being early into the space and having their fair share of having quality assets uh, right from the beginning uh, and right from the get-go. Now, in terms of like our commitment to games, part of the reason why we also want to inject supply back into the marketplace is because we want the uh, we want the marketplace to feel alive, to have more volumes, to have more transactions. Because if we inject all the supply towards the guilds, then all of these retail customers, uh, the ones who are unfamiliar with the space, who don't have like all of these connections and network will actually get burnt by buying high asset prices due to the illiquidity of the marketplace. And so again, as our commitment to become like the go-to asset factory, we also inject back a lot of these supply back into the marketplace to promote like more transactions and to allow for more distribution to a lot of these. Awesome, did, did anyone want to add to that? It's kind of a, it's a big question. Otherwise we've got plenty of questions so we can move on. <laughs> I thought it was well said. Great job, Renz. This team support, this is brilliant. All right, so next. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a very supportive um, community we've got um, in so far as the, the current employee base. Uh, shout out, actually, to, to Danica. So you might want to get to work on the, uh, the deliverables for the white paper since Renz just publicized the deadline of 24 hours. So chop, chop, please. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yes, loving that, uh, you know, little reminder there. Thanks, everybody. I hope you're listening up. Uh, so next question. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We're, we're messing around in the chat, actually. So. <laughs> well, we're all going to be watching the ticker from now on. Now, I just want to apologize in advance because I am definitely going to pronounce this person's pseudonym incorrectly. Is it Sube Sube or Sub Sub? I'm not sure. I apologize. I'm not saying that correctly. But they want to know, what extent is the AI factory technology established? Interesting mm -hmm. question. You guys have talked a lot about it. So, like, you know, how established is it? Yeah, so we are actually currently in phase two, I believe, of our initial plans. So phase one was setting up that like base infrastructure with operations and tech to, to have operations have those tools that don't necessarily have like right functionality with the blockchain, but are able to read data and spit out useful information such as prices for specific builds. Um, and not just in Axie, but also like in Cyball, for example. So across these different play-to-earn outfits, right? So now in phase two, we've got some semi-automated tools helping us not make these like costly financial mistakes with like which strategies to employ at any given period. So you've got like mass breeding tools now very rampant in, in GitHub's all over the place, right? And we always try to stay on the bleeding edge. So at any point, Breeder has like multiple devs tracking these different games and building on top of what works in the space. So for our macroeconomic tools, for example, and again, I don't want to share everything just yet until we're ready to publicize access to these through our tokens, um, we're able to normalize scores of different actions 
across all games written. So it would alert us that instead of, say, choosing the action of creating more, um, what was what was the popular, and I always forget the, the, the family that you love in, in Krabata, Jeff, which one was it again that's prominent right now? Jeff, you there? Sorry, Nico, you, you got cut off on, on my feed. What was that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, what are we working on with Krabata right now? Which, which families are prominent? Which classes oh, you were mentioning? The, uh, the profitable classes right now are the Ruins and the Sunkins. Okay, Ruins and Sunkins. So instead of possibly diving into those, it would actually be to the maybe the benefit of the asset treasury to start buying up maybe like crypto unicorns to stake for, for Unim. So we work on a lot of these like user-friendly algorithms um, such as breeding scores that eventually won't just help us make these like split second substantial financial decisions. It will also assist our token holders in making the right meta choices across these metaverses, not just in one specific isolated um, game or what have you. So, so phase three is fully abstracting away these decisions and is building on top of these by integrating machine learning. We're in the process of hiring some great talent for that after having locked in our awesome head of data, Nigel. He was already mentioned earlier. But, you know, uh, Leia, at the end of the day, every token out there has their plans, their, their lofty goals they, are, they aspire for. But for us, it's really just about keeping our heads down, building, spreading the word when the time is right. So the work continues as we speak. Operations is locking in deals and partnerships to getting these early access with APIs and APIs, like I said in the next big games coming up for, for play to earn. Great answer. Cause I think like a lot of people are just thinking about specific games rather yeah, than, yeah. you know, how, how do you choose the game? You know, how do you choose which game to focus on at the right time? So that's, that's Correct. super interesting. Exactly. You got it. Yep. Yeah. Um, you move on to the next question, unless anyone had anything that they wanted to add to that. Uh, but we've got Dragon Hot Dog. I have to say, by the way, Dragon Hot Dog, you have been like amazing in sending through your questions. I feel like you deserve some kind of prize just for like the most excellent questions sent through in volume. Awesome. Congratulations. Um, but the first one we picked from you is, uh, so does Breed It Out invest in the actual play to earn game and can they receive a stake of the games that they support? Yeah, so, well, Dragon Hot Dog, thank you for being such an active participant. Awesome really name. Is. That is an I awesome name. I love dragons and I love hot dogs. So <laughs> I love name, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, okay. Do we invest in actual P2E games? Yes. We are always on the lookout for any new up-and-coming games with a lot of potential. So we have a lot of uh, deals that come to our desk. Uh, we have a very strict screening process, as I said. Um, as for how we invest in these games, um, I think the second part of the question was, do we receive a stake of the game supported? Well, our, our core competency is breeding or generating NFT assets. So more often than not, we ask for NFTs. But every now and then, if the opportunity presents, us, presents itself, uh, we also ask for tokens. And mainly because these tokens are also part or a component of breeding. So, yes, we do invest in a lot of games. 
I guess a follow-up question also from Dragon. They're asking, what do you actually constitute as success with Breeder Doubt? And what can the community do to help you achieve this success? I'll take that. I mean, for us, it's really simple. Like to be top of mind when it comes to anything asset requirement, uh, anything asset required for all of these games. Just like how people think of like Amazon, uh, Lazada or Shopee for anything that they need, at least on the retail side. We want to be like that for, for, for you know, any asset, or any, anything digital asset or game asset here in the metaverse. Now, apart from that though, I mean, that one is obvious, but we also want to be uh, you know, kind of like help the entire like ecosystem flourish and success for us is being able to see this plate and earn space like really grow. Uh, a lot of people have centered around, you know, maybe thinking that this is actually a Ponzi or you know, this is actually unsustainable. But we believe that we're still on our early stages and it's too early for us to really decide like whether or not this is going to fly or not. But one thing is for sure, there's actually great value here. Being able to own your asset is something that's not yet been done like ever since. And that to me is what the core of like, breeder doubt would constitute as a success if the entire space becomes successful. And to all the guys who are actually here, um, guys and girls, of course, uh, to everyone who's actually here, you guys can help us by you know, spreading the word about breeder DAO. Uh, again, as mentioned earlier, like for the longest time, play to earn, play and earn has mostly been about like games and guilds, but we add like a new category there. And we want people to know that we're out here, we're helping build the ecosystem, and we want you to spread awareness and share the word. Yeah, actually, just uh, again from Dragon Hot Dog, again, like so many good questions from Dragon Hot Dog, but uh, you just mentioned there is quite a bit of negative sentiment in the play to earn space, uh, you know, with people asking, is this a Ponzi scheme? Is it a scam? And uh, Dragon has asked, why did you guys choose to dox yourselves? Like, why aren't you anonymous, as is fairly common with a lot of DeFi projects? I mean, we're here on this AMA tonight. You're all, you've got your faces on screen, which you might not be able to see it in the Discord AMA right now, but we're going to post it later <laughs> with a recording. You know, you guys are very open. Why, why is that? Um, well, kind of a funny question, actually, but... Uh, to me, at least, um, well, there's this whole undoxing movement that's happening. I noticed actually with with NFTs. Like, I'm not sure if it was started by by board apes being undoxed by that um, news outlet. I think, but but in in, yeah. in any case, in my opinion, um, it boils down to that sense of like accountability, you know, and in some cases that lack of personal commitment when you have like undoxed founders. So again, it's not a knock against like anonymous. Or these leaders, I mean, like Satoshi himself, and let's not forget, remains undoxed to this day. But for me personally, I would I would sleep better at night knowing that I know who I'm betting on to, to lead the organization forward in terms of like innovation and blockchain space. Um, so, yeah, we, we, we want to cultivate that openness, that culture that we are approachable, that we're in this to to build out a community, a DAO, um, more than just another startup or organization or company um and we feel that it, it it embodies a lot of the the core ethos at least for blockchain uh hey like did you want to if i yeah. may add i think i think it's all about skin in the game right mm -hmm. the fact that 
showing our faces. You know our real names. You know we're in this all in, all the way. Yep. Think Renz. Common, like a lot of people choose to remain anonymous. It's it's kind of unusual to have a fully out there team in this space. I used to be an, an anonymous dev, actually. That, that's where my roots came from. I was an anon dev before. Um, but I think I've built up enough um, experience in the space, personally. Um, I'm, I'm like what Jet said, skin in the game, really, is what it boils down to. So um, we feel that it unlocks a lot of doors as well with like partners, not just with the public, but I think um, partners with, with more skin in the game than maybe even us um, would, would sleep better um, knowing that, oh, okay, they, we know this guy, he, we know his body of work, um, and um, yeah, we, we can trust him to, to lead forward the organization of what we're trying to build, play to earn. Sure, and it helps really instill confidence in a lot of individuals, right? Uh, if I'm going to bet my money on you, I want to know who you are or where you live. Well, not exactly like where you live, but like I want to know like who you are and who I'm betting on. And, you know, we're really in it for the long term. We're not, I don't know, like do some rug pulls or yeah, earn, earn some profits. We're really here for the long term. And it's not just about our project. It's about the long term sustainability of the entire like space. Yeah, as much as I enjoyed flying planes, uh, blockchain has my heart. <laughs> so, though, I appreciate what you said, uh, Nico, about, you know, beginning as anonymous or pseudonymous. Like, I hear that from a lot of people, too, that it's a great way to get a foot in the door of this industry. Like, I, mm -hmm. I'm hearing that it's not like you're against the idea of pseudonymity. It's people's choice. Um, and everyone has different yeah, kinds sure. of motivations yes. and it depends. Yeah you know, what stage you're at in your career and what type of project that you're leading. So it's definitely mm -hmm. a choice, um, but super interesting to hear from you guys, like why you've chosen to be um, out and proud and, you know, very, very transparent in terms of who you are on this project. So that's super cool. Now, um, we've got questions flowing from the uh, from the live chat. So I just want to go straight to one that we just got recently. Uh, now, Crypto Frank wants to know, Long-term sustainability is the motivation of every investor in a project. So how do you guys intend to achieve this? Sustainability. Take this one, Renz. Yeah, sure. Sorry. I forgot where I'm going to unmute. But yeah, uh, that's very true. And, you know, that's why we also chose like the proper partners for this project, because we want them in on the long term. Uh, there's like a lot of like investors there who can provide like the capital. But why did we choose, for example, like A16Z, YGG and Delphi? Because we believe in their commitment to play in the long term. And, you know, they're going to be here, like whether it's up or down, whether token price is or like whether token price is, you know, or declined by 50 percent. And I think in general, like for any single project, uh, we're not just going to stop after we build whatever it is that we thought of like building. We're constantly going to innovate. And our promise to like all our investors is that it's not just about like the mass breeding tool that we currently have right now. It's not just about like replicating all of these against like every single game out there. We're going to build like whatever it's needed to be built in order to promote like sustainability uh, in terms of like the entire play to an environment. 
if a marketplace is needed to be built in order to channel all of these like and to, to allow for like easier on a lot of individuals then that's what we're going to build i mean we're still focused don't get me wrong we're still very much focused on like delivering our promise and our core business but yeah it's just delivering like more value and more utility for for our project and for our token awesome thanks friends um, I've got another one that's come in from the live chat. And again, I am going to pronounce your name incorrectly. I apologize. It's M-R-X-N or Murxen. Uh, <laughs> so they want to know, do you have any plan for burning tokens in the future to reduce the supply of the token and increase its investment attractiveness? That's a big question. <laughs> any thoughts on that? How do you actually approach that? Uh, I think I'll take this. So, um, no, um, there are no plans to burn the tokens. It's a fixed supply of tokens. But with regards to the actual um, goal of burning the tokens, we do have a program that we are planning to launch out uh, once the token is live. It's called BreederDAO Spoils. It's essentially where... Uh, we take a portion of our breeding profits and use those to buy breed tokens from the secondary market, which we then distribute to breed stakers. So stakers are rewarded with the breeding profits, essentially. Yeah, and maybe just to add to that, um, instead of like burning tokens, what we plan to do is to add more utility to our token. And, you know, coming from that, uh, Jeff already teased you guys on one of the possible or one of the utilities that we've thought about but there are actually three things three main stakeholders that we believe uh this token will actually benefit uh and we call this the three g's the first one would be the games the second would be the guilds and the third would be the general public touching on the first one which is games we know that there's a lot of games out there and the core idea of breeder now is to be able to provide or inject liquidity into all of these games and you guys as stakeholders and token holders will be able to participate in determining which games we should provide liquidity to kind of like token map if you guys are familiar with that project the second one would be on the guild side we know for a fact that currently for any project that recently launched there's a lot more demand than supply so we want to be able to allocate resources properly uh, for even for like, you know, limited drops, for example, we want to be able to allocate these resources properly and we will do that via token. So guilds would have to stake our tokens to identify whether or not to, to, to be able to participate and the percentage stake would ultimately determine how much tokens or how much of the NFT as they get. Lastly, would be more in the general public. So in the future, Nico also teased about it earlier that we're going to open up all of these tools to the public. So you guys can use your inventory as raw materials and as primary resources to be able to mass produce and create your assets at scale. So whether you're a guild or an individual, you guys will use our And then lastly, that would be the breeder spoils that Jeff talked about. Uh, we'll ask you guys as part of like the DAO to kind of decide like since you know our i mean i mean we're actually profitable and we're generating revenues and 
one of the goals is to grow our fund. So you guys will get to decide the percentage of profits that will be returned to you guys, of course, in the form of free tokens. So yeah, I mean, we're not really focused on like burning the tokens, but we're focused on like creating more value for our tokens. Cool. Uh, so next question. Yuan, uh, 1989, wants to know, how does Breeder Dow plan to grow in late Q1, early Q2 2022? And what aspects are you going to focus on? Is it gaming, gaming guilds, or NFTs? And can you tell us about some of your achievements so far? Well, it's all three. So gaming, gaming guilds, and NFTs are all part of what makes us work. We produce yes. the NFTs in these game economies and we sell them to our partner guilds, right? And that's what we've been doing and that's what we're planning to do and to optimize for. Um, Difficult so much angle. Yes, exactly. Yes, but at the end of the day, you know, our core is still the generation of new NFTs and game economies that have this mechanism, right? And just to share some of our achievements so far, I'm, proud to say with the efforts of everyone on the team um to date we've already produced 120,000 assets we've generated 20 million dollars in revenue 2 million of which are profits and our partner guilds right now are number 300 so big shout out to the team for making it happen they work really really hard and um something we're very proud of awesome great job jc great job danica you're uh <laughs> Hard work. <laughs> nice work. Uh, as I said, we got loads of questions, so I'm just going to keep going to the next one. This one's pretty tricky. Uh, so, oh, Crypto Miggy, again, I should have known. Uh, <laughs> so given the current financial climate in stocks, Forex, and crypto, how do you think the token market will look for play-to-earn games and player revenue in the next 6 to 12 months? Because BreederDAO is reliant on play-to-earn games, but play-to-earn games are reliant on support from players. So who thinks the games are still worth their time profit-wise? That's a big question. There's kind of a lot to unpack there, but is anyone uh, feeling confident to tackle that? Yeah, yeah. So so the beauty, uh, Leia, in DAOs is that they have what, what you could call the, like built-in switches that you can pivot um, with them, not just like programmatically, but also like architecturally and in terms of like direction and strategy. So I guess for like for Breeder, Breeder DAO, that means being able to adapt in whatever play to earn. Um, if it's not a metaverse universe or universes we end up in. Um, so um, yes, sir, awesome engineers are, are looking at integration integrations and when, if and when these advances, blockchain tech arise, we'll be right there um, with them. Um, so if play to earn um, morphs into a different thing, it's not, it's like we mentioned earlier, it's in, it's in its infancy and it, for sure it's not in its final form just yet. Okay. So um, with, with cross chain, for example, we've got bridges, we've got cross chain swaps. These are what the industry is churning out in terms of like bleeding edge. But um, when we turn over to like NFT metaverses, we see they're actually leading the charge a little bit, in my opinion, um, with like collections like World Wide Web Land, where um, they were pioneers, actually, for 
for cross-chain or cross-collection or cross-metaverse integration. So you could have like some of your PFPs become avatars and 2D pixel game, um, very ready player one-ish. So I don't doubt that we'll, we'll be right there actually with whatever final version of um, cross-metaverses or blockchain gaming comes out of this arms race to provide that sustainable game economy. Um, it's really um, one of the advantages of a DAO. So um, you could allocate some resources into maybe a different game, but you could, you could also allocate those same resources into developing something else entirely. Um, not sure if that answers the question. It's a difficult question for sure, um, but I believe um, DAOs are one of the solutions to an ever-changing or mutable aspect of blockchain and the blockchain society as we know it. Yeah, actually on that, so we've got another question. It's from Talon, and uh, you were just sort of talking about multi-chain interoperability kind of topics. So they're wondering, does BreederDAO plan to develop in a multi-chain network so that it will be possible to work with different metaverses or only just one specific network? Yeah. And what are your plans yeah. for the next like two to three years? You know, if the metaverse trend isn't even popular, you know, what happens then? Yeah, yeah. So I think I already answered that a little bit with, with the last one, but um, just to add, um, so again, um, all of the all the Ready Player One stuff, um, yada yada yada. But maybe I can talk more about what we're specifically doing um, aside from from that already. So uh, you you guys will see in the upcoming white paper a lot of the tool sets we have tailor fit to each game, and consequently each like chain that hosts those games. So we can allow them to interact with like Solana games, Ethereum games, BSC, Arbitrum, all in one unified UX or UI. So again, starting always internally and then slowly opening access to the BreederDAO community and always keeping in mind that fully automated blockchain vision. So, yeah. That's super interesting. So um, just actually going back a little bit to what we were talking about before because you know obviously crypto is volatile and you know we go through highs and lows uh, another one from dragon hot dog and this sounds like one for you Renz. what investments will the treasury make to grow the overall financial health and stability of breeded out so we're, we're actually doing a lot of investment at least using our treasury pool um but it's all like related and it all synergizes with BreederDAO. So the most obvious ones would be partnerships, uh, you know, investments in like games, for example, because this affects directly our cash flow. Uh, and whatever it is that we buy, NFTs, tokens, will essentially be used as inputs towards the, produ the production of these assets. But apart from these things, right, we also take a look at any other developments that would perfectly synergize with our company uh, and with the project. Uh, to give you an idea, IQ Protocol, for example, is an NFT rental marketplace. And because we're producing a lot of assets and there are cases where, you know, a lot of these assets are just stuffed in an inventory waiting for the next breeding cycle, then we would be better off like renting them out in uh, a marketplace such as that to be able to generate yield from it. And that's ultimately how we're able to generate more cash flow from our assets th than just by, you know, letting them sit there uh, in, in, in our 
in our treasury. So yeah, I mean, we, we use it wisely. We hunt for like projects that directly affect our cash flows and directly impact like whatever it is that we're really gunning for. Sounds like, it, you know, data analysis and optimization is really like the foundation of literally everything that you're doing. Um, so we've got another live question from the audience. It is, again, I'm going to stuff this up, but seven millibum, seven millibum. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just you can totally do it. Can you pronounce it correctly, please? <laughs> No, no, I don't. Know. <laughs> You're on your own. You know, you know I, again, there should be a prize just for like the hilariousness of us trying to pronounce your name. Well done for uh, you know, getting us to do that. Thank you. Great question though. So uh, they want to know, curious in terms of the actual scale of NFT production that happens. So like when you're actually saying large scale. Are you talking like thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions of axes, for example? It's a two-part question, but tackle that one first. What is, what's large scale? Well, it, it would depend on the game for sure. I mean, like if it's like a totally liquid market, you're not just going to go charging in. Um, so it really goes back to like data and utilizing data to make those decisions. So Jeff was telling me one of our like core advantages, we're, we're data-driven, basically. Um, we, we don't act... Um, willy-nilly um, we, we look a, a, at a lot of factors um, for each game and it would depend really if, if the market can can contain um, a massive amount of volume from our end then and it would still be profitable then that would be a starting point for us to to explore with you Jeff you could talk more yeah. but yeah I think that's a it's a good gist anyway to, to what we're trying to, to do here yeah, um just just to add more more color to what Nick said, um orders generally generally range from hundreds to thousands per order from these guilds. Uh like I said a while ago, to date we've already produced hundred and twenty thousand assets spread out across different games, bulk of which is in Axie Infinity. Um so there's that. And there's a second part to this question. Mm-hmm. Seven uh wants to know how do you handle those guilds with crazy attitude that won't accept the quality of the nfts that you breed based on their ask and was there ever an incident wherein you produced a large amount of nfts that were discarded by the requester yeah that's a good question okay well um before getting into any deal with any guild uh we specify the assets very, very um, specifically, right? So it's very much specified. These are custom-made assets. We tell them what they're going to get. So we try to avoid the situation entirely, right? Um, As for the second question, has there ever been an incident? Um, Luckily, no. Um, There was never an incident like this. All of the guild partners that we talk with and that we do business with, we have a good relationship with, right? So we're very happy to communicate with them. And if if there are ever any problems, we're also very much happy to talk amongst ourselves and to handle it internally. Yeah, but um, 
Say it does happen. Actually, it's a good thought experiment, Jeff. Um, if it does happen down the line, um, how big of a hit maybe does Breeder Dow take? And um, we have that covered as well by hiring like risk assessors. Um, I think Jeff has recently taken on um, risk analysts, CFAs on his team to, to deal with these um, in advance, actually, to, to preempt and prepare for scenarios such as these or to limit at least the, the percentage or the chances of those happening for uh, I, like I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again. You guys really are a different breed. Like this is a team of data scientists, engineers, and ex-management consultants. You are clearly modeling everything to the nth degree. Uh, so that's kind of impressive. Like pilot. You what? <laughs> don't forget pilots. We've got two awesome pilots on board, ready pilots. to take you to the moon. So, so I mean, the <laughs> when when Binance? Oh. No, no discussions of that sort. I forgot. Sorry, Renz. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's really impressive. Like, you know, it's, I think uh, there's obviously a, a lot of very interesting and unique people in the Web3 space, but I've not really met a team like yours before in terms of how you approach things and how you're thinking about, uh, you know, modeling out things. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Actually, but off the back of that, there's a question here from... Taki 0510, they want to know, um, and this is, I guess, maybe coming off the back of this uh, custom build uh, question, are you going to approach existing game makers who haven't entered the blockchain game market yet, and what kind of support could you provide to them if there were manufacturers, oh, sorry, what kind of support would you provide if there were other manufacturers who wanted to enter the market? Sorry if I've not understood that question correctly, but I think the, the first part of it is super interesting, like existing, you know, trad game makers that might be thinking about NFTs. Is that something that Breeder Dow could help with? I mean, of course, if you look at our cap table, we're actually come to us like first investment. Come to us is actually the maker of like someone or smart people here who actually don't know. And, you know, in terms of the value that we're able to provide, uh, I think it's pretty simple. We're the only kind of like project that's really centered around, around like uh, asset manufacturing. And the perspective that we have uh, and the data that we have, we've already have like a mass, a ton of data. And we know like what works, what didn't work, what doesn't work. Right. So we're able to provide that information to what sorts of burning mechanism is most effective, for example. And if you were to go with this kind of burning mechanism, what's the expected life cycle for your product? So yeah, it's interesting because we feel as though like there's already a lot of traditional gaming companies who've already seen the value of this. And we want to be right there at their doorstep because we don't want them discouraged from this space because there's real value here. And the way to actually onboard them is, into the space is to make them feel as though they, they have like a good experience and these games will build or, or will actually scale up the quality of games that we're experiencing right now and if we really want this industry to survive then it would be kind of like stupid for us to not work with them and help them get across like everything uh, or, or like this space or navigate the space even. We're all we're actually headed to GDC, Leia. Are, are you going? Flying out tomorrow. So, um, in Thank terms of like, 
Yes, I'm going. I'm going to be at NFT LA as well. Like, I'm really looking oh, forward cool. to it. And, you know, I guess yeah, I, I have a personal question because, uh, and I feel bad because we've actually got lots of questions from the community, but like, please allow me just one. Yes, we're going to GDC and we've just talked about, you know, how Breeder Dow could support existing game makers. But, you know, there's a lot of pushback against NFTs. So, you know, what's your take on that? Because the traditional industry, there's some people who are embracing it, but they seem like a pretty small slice of the pie right now. So where do you think this is going? Like, where is this going to be in five years? Are we going to die out? Like, because trad gaming destroyed us all in the NFT space? Like, what's happening in this? <laughs> Well, I guess, um, okay, I, I'm taking up all your time. Go ahead, Jeff, please. Do. I, I, think, I think a lot of the hate um, really comes from um, the eye-watering prices of these NFTs, most specifically the PFP NFT projects, right? Like CryptoPunks or Bored Apes. Um, people see it, it's a picture, it costs more than their house. They feel like it's a scam, right? And for for good good reason, um, they have reason to feel that way. Um, and um, gaming is something that's close to their heart. And if they feel like something like this, a scam, is going to take away their games from them, then people would feel offended or violated, or they 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 would be upset, right? But this is a conversation that we're very much willing to have with these gamers. Um, the fact is, the three of us here were gamers before we were crypto founders, right? We were gaming since we were children. So anything they have to say, we're open ears, right? And we're hoping as well that we can explain ourselves because if you were to ask me back then as a child, if I could actually own the items that I spent countless of hours on that I skipped school for, Right? I would love to own that asset. I would love to have been able to sell that asset for real-life cash to maybe buy more assets, right? in-game assets. So, yeah, that's, that's my take on it. What was the first game you ever fell in love with? The first game I ever fell in love with? Oh, that's difficult. Um, I'm going to go with Counter-Strike. What was yours? One here, six. here. It's the same Counter Strike. Okay. Sorry, I, I got lost when you mentioned love. Uh, I just thought of my fiance. Shout out. Uh, <laughs> before, before you met. Nika's getting married this, this year. Before you met the person that you wanted to spend the rest of your life with, which was the game that you couldn't imagine playing anything else ever again? What was it? Sorry, I, I missed it. I'm sorry. Come back to you. <laughs> I want to know your, your first favorite game as a kid. Like, what was your very, very first favorite game? It was Microsoft Flight Simulator. So. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. yeah. All right, guys. We're basically at time. We do have one more question. Uh, so we'll just take it real quick. Yeah, sorry. I, I would like to say something actually with with the with the um, with the play to earn backlash from from some of the gaming communities. Um, yeah, real quick. Sorry. I think the when when something is new, it, it can be very controversial. And what I'm talking about specifically is the same thing happened with in-app purchases. 
when it came out back in when iPhones and Apple came out with the App Store. We we saw the same similar um, outcry. So um, and that has turned into a multi-billion-dollar industry, hundreds of billions of people playing these games on a daily basis. Um, spending amounts, ungodly amounts of money on things that they don't necessarily own. So in, in, in my opinion, it's actually an improvement on this model, giving back that power, that ownership to these people, these avid gamers that have embraced um, video gaming as um, a large portion of their lives. Yeah, that's it. That's it for me. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to like, agree with you i i hear the same thing i'm uh i wasn't around in the gaming industry at the time but i've heard many people who have been in this space for decades who often say that you know they saw a similar backlash around the free-to-play movement and mobile gaming movement you know this is going to destroy the industry and this is not what we're about and lo and behold that movement progressed anyway and became really you know a very very large chunk of the industry so yeah, it is tough. People don't like change, uh, but I think uh, provided that there is clear benefits for users, then this is going to keep going. Now, i got to say, we are at time, but I did promise to take one last question, so I don't want to let them down. Uh, but the one that we picked out is from Tatiana3012. It's not an easy question, but they want to know, what are the greatest challenges that the Breeded Our team are finding at the moment? And We'll give it, uh, you know, five minutes absolute max. We're going to finish at 35 minutes past the hour. So biggest challenges, who can tackle that one? Let me take that. Uh, I think it's the general uncertainty, not only crypto, uh, but more importantly, like the entire play to earn and play in earn space, right? Uh, we've had a lot of like issues comes to all of these games being just copycats of Axie Infinity. And everyone's just looking to look for the next big game, get in early, and possibly cash out, and then jump into the next big game. Uh, so it's, it becomes like a cycle, right? And a lot of people are uncertain whether it's going to be sustainable or it's even going to last, right? Because if everyone's mindset is or has become like that, then the entire space is eventually going to collapse. But what I do know is that, you know, we're just on our early stages. Jeff and Nico both agree that, you know, this is actually uh, just maybe level one or generation one of what blockchain can really offer the entire gaming space. And I believe that as we actually venture more and as more people, uh, more individuals become attracted and see the potential of this space and this new technology, then we'll be able to kind of combat all of these like issues and all of these like backlashes that we're experiencing right now. But yeah, um, for the most part, it's it's just that. Uh, and, you know, because ultimately we want this to survive, we want this to become sustainable. And if we're driven by bad actors and if people generally stop believing in what we're trying to do here, then, you know, that is the biggest threat that any project, uh, at least related to the gaming side, is experiencing at the moment. Absolutely. It's definitely at a very early stage. Uh, did anyone want to add anything to the challenges piece? I think um, 
I think Renz was spot on. It is the general uncertainty. Is this sustainable? Is, you know, is Axie a Ponzi? Is uh, all other copycats? Um, there's a lot of uncertainty, but uh, there's a lot of fear as well. But the beautiful thing about it is when things are so fluid, when things are so uncertain, um, there are opportunities abound, right? And it's a brand new industry, a clean slate. This is everyone's chance to make their mark. And for BreederDAO, we're hoping to be that go-to asset factory of the metaverse. We're hoping to be an industry uh, giant where you think of assets, you think of us. So it's exciting, it's scary, but if it doesn't make you scared, it's not worth doing. I mean, that's pretty exciting when you mentioned that. Renz was talking about, like, Lazada, Shopee, but I'm sort of thinking, like, Amazon of the metaverse, of game assets. Like, this is pretty cool. Um, we're at time, guys. We've got to wrap up. Um, I think we could continue talking for hours, but there's going to be plenty more AMAs in this series, so we don't have to cover it all tonight. I said that we have only really just scratched the surface. There was so many good questions from the community. Um, I've done a lot of these kind of AMAs and I'm not used to receiving so many high quality questions. Like your community is obviously incredibly engaged and really clued up in terms of what the project is about and what you guys are trying to achieve. So I am very much looking forward to hearing future AMAs um, and also looking forward to taking it out into the public as well. So, uh, you know, getting on Twitter spaces and seeing what other people ask about the project. Um, but again, like, thank you so much to everyone in Discord for the energy, the questions, the research that you guys put in. Really, really appreciate it. This was such a good discussion. Um, and thanks for having me as well. I'm. This is going to go down a moment in history. I got to do the Breeded Owl first ever AMA on Discord. I'm stoked. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, and you guys were awesome. So Thank you so much, Leah. It's our pleasure, really. Yeah, looking forward to the next one, actually. Um, and having on different people. I think this was the, like the introductory to this whatever segment marketing has in store. Um, yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, everyone. And thank you to the community.